made new. As you saw in the bumper, the little video, we are, we're in a series now that is going to build off of Easter. Easter is basically the story that Jesus came back to life after dying for us. And what enabled him to do that was an incredible power of God. The incredible power of God that is, that is stronger than death. It is stronger than the grave. Stronger than sin and hell. And what we're talking about over the next few weeks is that that same power of God is still present and at work today. You and I can experience new life because we serve a risen Savior. He won the victory and He invites us into relationship with Him that we might experience that victory with him. We can be made new because Easter changes everything. And this morning I want us to focus specifically on moving past our past. Moving past our past. One of the incredible results of our faith in Jesus is that we're given the power to move beyond who we once were, to move past our past. We can all feel held back by our history from time to time. As you process that thought, some of us in the room today would have to admit to ourselves that we've been stuck in a rut for a very long time. We've been stuck in a rut because we feel held back by our past. The guilt, the shame, the confusion. We know who we used to be. We know what we did back then. And because of those feelings, Often, we feel either inadequate or undeserving of a chance to move forward. We buy the lie very quickly. We buy the lie that because of our past, we're not good enough to move forward. And what I want us to get this morning is that we can not by your power, but by the power of a risen Savior, a risen Lord, we can move past our past. To help us with that, I want to invite your attention to Philippians chapter 3. This is a familiar passage. Many of you will recognize it as soon as you get there. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to begin at verse 13. If you have your copy of Scripture, I invite you to open it there. If you prefer to use the Bible app, you might find our event in the menu of the Bible app. When you click on, uh, click on the menu, one of the options is events. You click on events, our church will pop up. You tell them, yeah, I'm at that church, and then you can follow along in that way. 
But I want us to look at this familiar passage, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to begin at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I don't consider myself yet to have obtained it. Or in in this translation, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do. I run that race. I'm not there yet, but I'm focused on it. I'm working on it. And normally when we look at this familiar text, and we have looked at it together many times, normally when we look at it together, we see kind of a list that we can go through to help us stay focused. Um, In those two verses, we we might find a, a concentrated effort um, there's a progressive effort, there's an uh, a aggressive effort, there's a continuous effort. We can see all of that in there. But this morning, instead of kind of a list, I want us to think of it in terms of a sequence. You see, I think Paul gives us not just a list of ways to stay focused as much as a sequence. I think they are in order on purpose. And I want us to look at that very carefully. You see, he says, I'm not there yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, then straining forward to what lies ahead, then I press on. I think they have to happen in that order. He starts by telling us that we have to get our thinking right. He says, I know that I'm not there yet, but one thing I do, so I'm focused on this one thing, forgetting what lies behind. You see, if if we're going to be able to run that race, if we're going to be able to press on toward the goal, if we're going to accomplish those things, it starts with how we think. It starts with forgetting what lies behind. It's only when I forget what lies behind that I can strain toward what is ahead. Remember Paul used to be Saul? You think you're carrying a past? Your past ain't nothing like Saul. Saul was so messed up, he thought he was serving God by killing Christians. That's messed up. He thought he had a calling in his life to go around that entire region and kill people who believed in Jesus. Paul had committed and condoned all kinds of murder and violent acts on believers. But that was Saul. Something happened to Saul. You remember? Saul is on that Damascus road. 
and he's on his way to go find some more Christians to kill. And all of a sudden, there's that bright light, that voice from heaven. He falls on his knees. He loses his eyesight, but he gains, he gains that spiritual sight. He, his heart is, is broken and made new. And he becomes a new person. It is an encounter with Almighty Jesus on that road to Damascus that changed his life forever. Saul was no more. Paul became the apostle. Paul, the one called of God to take the, the truth of the gospel to the Gentiles and begin building that church. He understands. All of that happened before he wrote this. So when he writes it, there's some power to these words. I'm not there yet, he says, as an apostle called by God. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I'm going to run my race. You see, if you're going to win the race, you got to first think like a winner. His mind had to be right. Before he could even worry about the strenuous effort and the continuous effort, he had to make sure that he was moving in the right direction. And he started that by saying, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Move past your past when you begin to focus in the right direction. I love Proverbs 4 and 25. It says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Look ahead, not back. I know the illustration is old and tired and it's been used way too many times, but I also remember the first time I heard it and what an impact it had on me. And that is, there's a reason that the rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield, Right? Your focus, your attention is through the windshield, forward. Paying attention to what's happening as you go forward. Now, a wise person will once in a while glance at the rearview mirror, but that's not your focus. If you're focused on your past, you're either not going to be able to move forward or you're going to move forward dangerously. There's a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. We leave the past. We forget who we were before God changed us and forgave us. This is going to sound harsh. So here's, here's the warning. This is going to sound harsh. That makes it okay for me to say it now, okay? If you have asked God to forgive you of something in your past... And yet you continue to carry the guilt and shame and beat yourself up for it. You're saying that your opinion is more important than God's. If you have asked God to forgive you, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of all 
unrighteousness. So who are you to say that you're so important that your mess up was bigger than God's forgiveness? We move beyond who we once were. We move past our past when we learn to look toward grace. We look toward grace. So Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead. Proverbs says, let your eyes look directly forward. I'm going to run my race by looking toward grace. Ooh, I didn't even mean to rhyme that. I'm going to run my race by looking toward grace, not looking toward my past. Not wallowing in my guilt and my shame of who I once was, but I'm going to trust that God means what he says and I'm going to accept his grace, which is I don't deserve it. Right? If I deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. But I'm going to look toward grace, receiving his forgiveness, trusting him for my present and my future. And I'm going to start to leave the past in the past. We look toward grace. And then if I'm going to move past my past, I'm not only going to look toward grace, I'm also going to bury my past. You bury your past. Paul could not be Paul if he thought he was still Saul. Right? If he thought he was still that Pharisee that was killing people, if he thought he was still Saul, he could not be Paul. And so what he did was he learned to bury the old Saul. To put away the old man, we might say, in biblical language. In Galatians chapter 2 at verse 20, this is how Paul said it. I have been crucified with Christ. Now that is all, that, that, that immediately raises a question. What does that mean? I've been crucified with Christ. You concrete thinkers immediately thought, I have not been crucified. There are no nails in my wrists. There are no wounds on my head. No wound in my side. I have not been crucified. What he's, he's speaking spiritually. He's saying that when Jesus died on the cross on my behalf, he paid the penalty for my sin. And at one point, at some point in my life, I said, Jesus, thank you, and I receive that gift of grace. I believe that you died for me, and now I will live for you. And when I made that commitment to him, I know you died for me, I will live for you. When I made that commitment to him, I, in essence, spiritually speaking, I put to death the old me. That old me was crucified with Christ on the cross. He or she is gone. 
the me who was just me with no Jesus, that me is gone. And we're going to bury that dead me. Doesn't do anybody any good to go pick up that old corpse every once in a while and carry it around with us. Instead, I'm going to move past my past by burying my past. I'm going to stop worrying about who I was before Jesus saved me and even after salvation, many times he forgave me for other things after salvation. I'm going to stop digging all that up. The old me has been crucified with Christ. Look, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You say, well, all that sounds nice, pretty, preacher. That sounds good. But I don't feel that forgiveness. I still feel the guilt and the shame. And friends, that's your problem. You're living by your feelings. What does he say? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Faith says, regardless of what I feel, I trust God at his word. And he said, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. He said, I'm new, I'm new. The Bible says that when I gave my life to Jesus, I became a new creature. Not just a, a remade same old model, but a new creation. And even if I don't feel it, I'm going to walk by faith in it because that's what God told me. You see, Paul learned to stop defining himself by himself. Paul no longer looked at his life, at his self, and said, this is who I am. He learned to divine himself by his relationship with Jesus. It is no longer I who live. I'm, I don't define me by me. But Christ who lives in me. That's how I now define myself as a child of God through Jesus Christ. And now I can bury my past and move beyond it. We're going to move past our past. We're going to look toward grace. We're going to bury our past. And then we're ready to move forward in faith. We can move forward in faith once we learn to look to, toward grace, bury the past. We're set free to move forward. And just because our past has been forgiven doesn't mean that we're all perfect now. Right? You know that. That's why, there's, that, that's why as I even say these words this morning, there's a little hesitation in your heart because you're thinking, well, I still mess up. I still sin. I'm still selfish. So how am I new if I'm still selfish? Because you're still a human being living in a fallen creation. That is going to be our reality. Moving past your past 
Accepting his forgiveness doesn't mean that you're perfect now and you're never going to mess up again. What it means is that you have learned that when you mess up, you can receive forgiveness, you can repent, you can be set free, and keep moving forward. Even Paul, the apostle, said, I'm not there yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. The idea is not that when you accept Jesus, you never mess up again. The idea is that when you accept Christ and you learn to live in his forgiveness, then you can keep moving forward because when sin messes you up and you mess up because of sin, you know that you can repent, be forgiven, and take another step toward the finish line. That finish line, by the way, is becoming like Jesus. Paul defined it. He, he told us that for him, that finish line was to become just like Jesus. So that was his focus. That was his windshield. What is yours? What is your primary objective in life? What's your windshield? What's your finish line? For Paul, it was to become like Jesus. He said, I ain't there. I'm not like Jesus yet. But I know that if I'm ever going to get there, I have to stop thinking about who I was. So one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining toward what is ahead. I'm going to be focused on becoming like Jesus. Straining toward what is ahead, I press on. I'm going to stumble, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to press on. I'm going to get confused and I'm going to walk by faith when my feelings are lying to me and I'm going to press on. Because the power of a resurrected Lord says that I can leave my past in the past and I can be made new. Psalm 103 and verse 8 reminds us the Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The reason I want to leave it with that verse is this. Too many of us buy the lie that we've messed up so many times or we've messed up so badly that, that we've disappointed God so much that he just kind of looks at us and shakes his head. Many of us see God as this, as this angry judge who's ready to zap me because I've been so bad. Others of us see him as a father who is terribly disappointed in me because I just, I just made such a mess of my life. But friends, what does the Bible say about how God sees us? The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast. That means not ending, that means not quavering, steadfast love. So you and I can find forgiveness, not because we can figure out how to be good enough to earn it, but because of who he is.
steadfast love, slow to anger, gracious, merciful. Stop trying to figure out how to do enough good to undo all the bad. That'll never happen. Instead, go to God and say, God, I messed up again. Thank you that you love me anyway. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for being slow to anger. Thank you for your love. Help me to move forward and become more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And we can move past our past and be made new.